0: Welcome ready. to Weekdays with Jesus. We are weak, but He is strong. Hi, I'm Kevin Beltman, your host and recovering burnt-out pastor, who's here to share with you sermons and songs from friends of mine that I hope will be a blessing to you. And I'm excited today because I love it when songs and messages just come together, and that's what happens today here. Ben Spaulding talks about what the new world in Christ will be like as he shares with us from Ephesians 2.19, which says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And then the song at the end of today here just ties in so well here as it talks about imagining what heaven will be like and what we will be like. For now, here's Pastor
1: Ben.
2: Well, the Apostle Peter, this morning in our text today, calls you the Beloved of Christ. Beloved in Christ. But, that also means you're going to be foreigners, exiles, Strangers wanderers in this broken world. Strangers who at times seem strange. And yet, not everyone who seems strange and not all who wander this broken world are lost. No, we wander together this broken world with hope. Hope in the new world that Christ has promised us. And while we live... As exiles and wanderers in this world, we live to show others what the new world in Christ will be like, just to give them a little glimpse, a little taste of what the new home, what the new world in Christ will be like. So what does that look like? Chris was at No Label Brewery uh, filling up his pint glass. He was in his late thirties, classic millennial, and so of course he had to order the IPA, the IPA. And once a Friday, one Friday uh, once a month, he would gather his coworkers out for a happy hour just to kind of catch up after a long and brutal week. Their names were Tim and Jim and Kim easy to remember, and of course, Chris, or as his boss might call him mockingly sometimes, Chris the Christian, how original, well, it was that day gathered together that uh, was supposed to be a restful time, but it was kind of a tense day. You could see it on the faces of his co-workers, and and you could see it by how they held their, their beers. You see, Tim was holding his pine glass, and his hand was, was shaking. Tim was stressed out. Tim was deeply afraid. He had a, a long week, but also uh, he loved watching the news. And while Fox News and CNN kept Tim informed every single day, it also had swallowed Tim's soul up in fear. As they sat down at the table together, uh, Tim began, and before he could even get the pint glass to his mouth, a quarter of the beer had already spilled on his shoes. I mean, this guy was shaking like a leaf. And so he began the conversation, Chris, have you seen the news? Have you seen that NASA's gonna fly ships up into the solar system to crash them into asteroids? Because one day I guess there's an asteroid coming, and we gotta be ready, I didn't even know that was a thing. And Chris, did you see that special about how we're destroying our planet? I bet Mother Earth is just thinking, man, I can't wait for an asteroid to hit me. These people are, are killing me. And, and Chris, did you see that special on gender pronouns and all the debate going on today about gender? Oh, and did you watch that Joe Rogan podcast about how we're being so misinformed and it's rotting our brains? I mean, oh man, I'm just so nervous. Our country's going to pot and my kids are going to have to live through it and I just feel like I'm not in control. Well, Chris was sitting down with him and he was calm and he was at peace and he listened to every single fear and every single worry that Tim had in his heart. And it just seemed so strange to Tim. Tim almost unacceptable. Chris, how could you be so calm at a time like this? You should be more worried. Don't you even care?" and Chris replied, "Tim, I do experience fear and worry sometimes. Absolutely, and I know those feelings when when you think, you know, man, I'm just life's out of control and our cultures out of control and things seem to be going to pot. I definitely understand, but Tim you know that I follow Jesus. And I know you don't believe in all of that, Tim, but I'll tell you what, I, I follow Jesus and, and I've been reading more of my Bible lately and, and watching a little less of the news. And, and I read something where Jesus says, behold, I am making all things new. And, and while I, I, that doesn't always solve all my fears, I'd like to think it gives me a little hope Uh, To hang on to. In in fact, it gives me a little hope uh, and and it helps me not be so afraid of the unknown in the future, things that are outside of my control. It helps me remain focused on on the day and to treat each day as a gift. If Tim was shaking his beard because he was so stressed out, Jim was holding his pine glass so tightly that that thing was about to break. If Tim was afraid, Jim was angry, outraged. If he had put another ounce of pressure in that glass, it would break into a million pieces. Gentlemen, Kim, I just got off the phone with my dear sister. God rest her soul. God bless her soul. And you know I hate talking about politics in our Friday meetings at No Label, but I can't help myself, she's voting for him. You know him. With all his policies and what he wants to do to our beloved state, it just makes me so angry, so outraged, that someone would want to vote for a guy like that. It just makes me want to break this precious logger in two. And Chris listened. And he stood there with him. You know, Chris had learned to love Jim over the years, despite even their own political differences. And he was at peace. And it just seemed so strange to Jim. Unacceptable, almost. Chris, aren't you just the least bit upset about what's happening and what people are trying to to who people are trying to put into power around here. Quit being such a sheep. But there was Chris. And he opened up. And he said, Jim, I know what it's like to be angry and upset. Especially when people aren't meeting your expectations. Especially when your views seem so right and their views seem so wrong. I know what it's like to be angry. And Jim, I know you don't believe, but, but I follow Jesus, and, and there was no better person who loved his enemies and loved those who opposed him. You know that we even believe that Jesus went to a cross to die for his enemies. And, and while that doesn't always fix my anger, I like to think it helps me remain present with folks who upset me, and who angry me. And and it helps me seek their point of view and and how they understand things. And, And it helps me reason with them. And it helps me realize that my anger and my frustration, my outrage doesn't need to control me. So there was Tim shaking his pint glass. There was Jim about to break his. And then there was Kim at the table She drank her double-fruited sour ale, pinky (laughs) up. She was a charting member at only the best community church here in Katy. And she had helped plant two other churches, better than the best, and were better than you, community church. They were just being honest. Kim was blessed, and she was ready to impress. She put her hand on Chris and started bringing him closer to her, away from Tim and Jim, because they were sinners, let's be honest. And they were kind of bringing the vibe down. And so Kim began to speak. Chris, you're so level-headed. Oh, Chris, you're so wise. Chris, you're so kind. You would make a wonderful member at only the best community church. What do you say? Pinky up. Well, Chris responded. Kim, I, I hate to disappoint, but I was just as worried as Tim is today. That was me yesterday. And I was just as angry as Jim is right now this morning. In fact, I was driving over here to the brewery, and I got into such an argument with my wife. And I ended up just hanging up the phone mid-conversation and yelling in my car. I'm so frustrated by the season of marriage I'm in. But then I started praying. Kim, I started praying. And as I was praying, I remembered what Jesus said to Paul when he was in prison. Paul was in prison. I was in the doghouse. Same thing. And I remember what Jesus said. He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Chris, my grace is sufficient for you. And Kim, I tell you what, that's why I'm so at peace at this table today and I think I want to try again with my wife and get her some flowers after this. Chris was honest with his sins and his shortcomings and his weaknesses, and it just seemed so strange to Kim, almost unacceptable. Her eyebrows raised. Grace never heard of her. She started inching her way away from Chris, and under her breath she muttered, uninvited, she put her glass down. So how does this all end for Chris? Well, it can end in a couple of ways. I'll give you two ways today. It could end in many ways, but I'll give you two. Way number one, Chris is rejected. And Chris is treated as he is. In exile, in typical American fashion, there's co-workers, they smile, they grin, they nod, but inwardly they tear him apart. Or they verbally bludgeon him. Or they criticize him or they disengage or they leave him as he is. They treat him as a foreigner, as an exile, as a stranger in this broken world. And Chris is left all alone. Or... Maybe something else takes place. Something that maybe Jesus promised in Luke chapter 13. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a plant that falls into the ground. A tree rises up and the birds of the air find rest in the tree's branches. The word of God in Chris provides a tree of rest for those birds like Tim and Jim and Kim. And they leave that conversation a little less anxious, a little less outraged, a little less self-righteous. But Chris is not in control of that. All he can be is an exile, a stranger, a foreigner in this world. And if they're going to be changed, it's not really by Chris. It's by Christ in Chris, because Jesus makes him strange to them. And yet at the same time, Jesus shows them the new world, the new world that we're all longing for. Apostle Peter says, you are foreigners, strangers, exiles, and wanderers here, and that's hard. That's difficult. That's one of the hardest identities, in my opinion, that Peter gives us in this whole series. You think about how we want to be like Chris sometimes. I mean, man, that guy is smooth, right? He is calm and cool and collected. And you just see his courage about how he speaks of Jesus, Uh, not in a way to, to bludgeon them, but just in a way to show them how Jesus shapes his life and shapes how he sees himself in this world. Man, love to be like Chris, but I think if we're honest, We find our home too often in fear. We find our homes too often in outrage, in anger, addiction. We find our home in self-righteousness and pride and lust and selfishness and all kinds of things. Insert whatever sin you've been struggling with this week. And the tragedy of the sinful condition that is oftentimes overlooked is that the sinful condition wants us to make peace with the way things are in this world, wants us to make a false security with the way things are in this broken world. The sinful condition pulls the wool over our eyes and would never want us to tap into those deep longings of the new world in Christ, the new kingdom in Christ that is to shape us today know at times we find our home in things that end up draining us, in things that end up poisoning us, in things that end up dividing us, even as a church. It's a hard identity. Foreigner, exile, alien. You'll be strange in this world and say some pretty strange things. To people's ears, people who are used to being ruled by fear, people who are used to being ruled by excessive worry and stress and self-righteousness, a kingdom, judgment, a need for grace, I don't understand. Pursuing unity, being at peace at a time like this, you got to be out of your mind. And that's exactly the, what Peter calls us to do today. But you will seem strange. And the things of God don't really have a home in this world. Think about Jesus. You remember our Gospel text this morning? Remember this Gospel text where Jesus goes into Nazareth? Yes, Nazareth, that's the hometown. That's the place where Jesus is supposed to be accepted and cared for because that's his hometown. And you know how good it feels going home. You're visiting your parents, maybe they're up north or out west or out east or deep south, and you're going home and you remember those old stomping grounds and you remember those old faces. The hometown feel. There's a rich familiarity with the hometown. It just has a special way about it. Well, Jesus is going to the hometown of Nazareth, seeing some familiar places, some familiar faces, and probably some familiar friends that he grew up with, and he probably had a lot of conversations with those friends. And let's imagine maybe what did one of those, um, what were one of those conversations? Maybe it was with a man named Judah. Jesus, we're so glad to have you back in Nazareth. Oh man, I hope rabbi school's been good for you. Hey, it's been a long time, but I got this table that I've been working at for, for a while. And Jesus, you were so good at measuring. I, I just need a little help with this, with this table, if you could. And I'm sorry, I missed what you said at synagogue today. I heard you caused quite the ruckus, but I was asleep. I had a long week, and I'm sorry I missed it. But but Jesus, if you could just help me out with this, this table here today, I'd appreciate it. it it's so good. Uh, to have you back here, in Nazareth, our hometown, oh boy. Judah, it is good to be back. It's good to be here, and uh, I'm so so glad to be with you today, and I am going to get to that table today, don't you worry about it, um, and I forgive you for sleeping during synagogue today, but, but Judah, I got something I want to tell you. Remember when we were growing up and the teachers always taught us about Torah and the prophets and and this promised day for our people? Judah, I got something I really want to share with you today. That year of Jubilee, the year of the Lord's favor, it's it's here. The blind see, the the lame walk, the the poor have good news preached to them. Judah, I am he. I'm the one. The Father in heaven has sent me He sent me to our hometown so that people will believe. Do you believe, Judah? And and, Judah, you remember your sister, Leah? You remember her leprosy and how she suffered all these years? I tell you, today's the last day of her leprosy. I'm going to heal her. You just take me to her. You're embarrassing yourself. What are you talking about? Jesus? Jesus? This rabbi school has really messed you up. It's kind of made you into a lunatic. You used to be so level-headed. Why are you lying? Aren't you Joseph's boy? Aren't you Mary's son? Is this what you've been telling folks all your life about who you are? If that's the case, you bring shame upon us and our whole family. In fact, you should leave. You have no place amongst us. In fact, I hope they stop you. Liars deserve to die. To be rejected in your hometown. To be found unacceptable in a place that's supposed to accept you. Jesus entered into our humanity. And made us a people of God, but also made us unacceptable. Do you ever feel unacceptable? Paul calls our bodies bodies of death. We got desires inside of us that wage war against the spirit. At times, I don't know about you, I don't always feel acceptable. There are times when conversations take place in the world with my neighbors... I want certain things to take place. And I'm met with resistance and opposition, maybe from them, maybe from myself, and I just feel unacceptable. This was the life of our Lord. This was the lot of our King Jesus. He wandered to and fro. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Some people received him well, most rejected him. The crownless king, the suffering servant, the wandering one. And yet in the words of J.R.R. R. Tolkien and words we've mentioned earlier this morning, not all who wander are lost. And the crownless again shall be made king. Jesus certainly wandered to and fro. But Jesus was far from being lost. He knew exactly what the Father had sent him to do. Jesus at that time would find himself homeless. He would find himself without a friend. But he would still preach good news to the poor in spirit. He would still bring home to those who did not have a home. Jesus was far from lost. Wandering to and fro. But he knew that his destination was the cross. That is why the Father had sent him. The cross that you and I deserve. The cross that sinners deserve. For the wrath of God to be poured out. And it was Jesus who became estranged from the Father. Exiled from the kingdom for us on that cross. To bring us close to the Father's heart. To make us one of family the crownless jester king that his enemies mocked, and yet Jesus endured all of this because he desired to give his new world to you and to me and to all of us and to have us live for that new world. Upon the cross, Jesus shared his righteousness with you His crown with you. His innocence, his blessedness with you. His very life, his very home is yours. You are accepted by God in Christ Jesus. But that means you will be unacceptable in this broken and cursed world. But not all who wander through here are lost and you are not lost. God has sent you here for his specific purposes. To bring the promise of home to those who are exiled from the kingdom, for those who are estranged from God in his grace. As we see ourselves as exiles in this world and yet at home in Christ, we see that it is our purpose to bring the new world of Christ to those around us, our neighbors, that all, would find a home in Christ. That is your work. This is our life as exiles and foreigners and strangers here. And yet Christ has chosen to make his home in you and works in your life so that all our neighbors, so that all the world would find a home in him. So let's pray about that. Father, it's hard to be an exile It's hard to be misunderstood. It's hard, Lord, to at times desire things and yet to be met with opposition, resistance, and rejection. Lord, we ask for peace in turbulent times. Lord, we ask for level-headedness and steadiness and wisdom. Lord, because we know we're wandering through here to the new world. The new home. You've promised this for us. We know that it's secure, as sure as Jesus is risen from the dead. So let this promise, Lord, shape us today. As we live, we live to show others a glimpse, a taste of that new home, of that new world, and what it will be like. So may our heads and our hearts be anointed with your wisdom. For your glory. Amen.
0: Well, as I mentioned, our song today ties in so well with our message here. And and this is another one written by some songwriting friends of mine called What Will Be, written and performed by Kara and Emily and Stefan. And I've known Kara for a while, and so I asked her to join us today here. Kara, can you share with us uh, about this wonderful song that you guys wrote a few months ago?
3: Yeah, sure, Kevin. I'd be happy to tell you about our song. We wrote this song at the Singer-Songwriter Retreat in May of 2022, Emily, Stefan, and I were um, grouped together to write on this prompt about the new creation. And so we sat around kind of musing about what heaven will be like and what we wonder what it will be like. And because the three of us um, are more of the musician sort and less of the lyricist sort, we ended up just kind of focusing on that like we wonder what what will it be like so we ended up doing a play on words in our lyric writing and we we sing what will be as in what will it be like and what will be as in what will we be like when we're there because we know that there's not only a uh, fuller uh, more glorious version of ourselves completely restored and redeemed but we also know that creation will experience a redemption as well the physical space that we are around right now like first corinthians says uh, first corinthians 13 says we can only see dimly but then we will fully see so we're excited about what will be and we pray that this song fills people with hope it's going to be great